Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. It's that time again. It's Friday. This is Tyler Chef. I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And we're going to continue our 23 questions that we should be asking sellers, but you know, we don't. And we're going to talk a little bit about why we don't do that, but let's go ahead and kick off with our question. Any idea, and this is a question whether you can ask this to a broker, to a listing agent, or whatever, or directly to the seller. Now, what you'll find is that listing agents or real estate agents, they will probably not know the answer to this question. I'm almost willing to put good money on the fact that they're not they're not going to know the answer to this question. I tell you, I'm probably one of the few listing agents out there, uh, realtors out there, that would that ask every seller what their plans are with the proceeds of the sale. And that recent building, uh, recent property I just sold is a great example of that, where I asked the, the question to the seller, what do you plan on doing with the proceeds? And her answer was, she's going to reinvest them. I said, great. What kind of yield makes sense for you? And she gave me a number. And I said, would you consider taking payments for your equity if I find a buyer that's well-qualified, provides good collateral, a good amount of money cash down? Would it make sense for you to use your own property as an investment, potentially carry financing? Not sure exactly how the deal would shake out yet, but I'm curious, conceptually, is that is that something that you might consider? You know, that's a very loose commitment, a, very, a might consider. And she said, sure, I'd consider it. It depends on many factors, but I'd consider it. Well, lo and behold, we were able to put the deal together. We were able to get the seller top dollar for her property and still get a good deal and leave a little bit of meat on the bone for the buyer. So it became a home run win-win deal. And it all began with asking the seller what they will do with the proceeds of the sale. Now, I know folks that are just absolutely terrified of this question. They feel it's too it's too much of a probe. It's too it's an invasive question. It's gee, Tyler, that's none of my business. I couldn't imagine asking that. And I'm here to tell you, that's the response you get is going to depend on how exactly you ask the question. Now, if you sound like you're an interrogator, you know, if you just got hired by the local sheriff's office and uh, you drill the people, then you're probably right. You're not going to get the response you're looking for. You may get that response that you're not looking for, that seller that's going to say, hey, man, none of your business. I'm not going to share that information with you. So the question remains, how do we deliver this question without getting slapped in the face? How do we say this to a point to where we don't offend the seller or seem like we're just trying to probe for too much information? And the answer to that question begins and ends with taking the time to ease into the conversation. Don't be in a race, okay? Don't worry. You can check your Facebook and Instagram later. Leave your phone in the car. Have a good conversation with the seller. Build rapport. Learn why they're selling. Ask all the other questions. By the way, this question here is, uh, is towards the end of this list for a reason. That means you don't start out with that question. Hey, Mr. Seller or Mrs. Seller, what do you do with the proceeds of the sale? What do you do with the cash? If you ask that in the first five minutes of a conversation, I can go ahead and predict the results you're going to get. And you're not going to like it. So the way we get around that is let's have some other good conversation prior. Now, the way you pose the question is going to make all the difference in the world. And if you pose it fun and inquisitively, the people aren't even going to notice. Here's a good example. So you're having a conversation about what their why is, why they're selling the property in the whole nine yards. Let's say, you know, they, they're selling the property because it takes too much time. And my response to that, they would, they would say, hey, I'm selling this because it just takes too much time. I'm dealing, tired of dealing with uh, toilets, tenants, and termites. And then I'll, I'll with an excited tone that's important that you you sound enthusiastic not excitable but enthusiastic 
I'd be enthusiastic and say, oh, that's awesome. You know, my wife and I are traveling the country full-time in an RV and we absolutely love it. I'm excited. So where are you going? Where's the first place you're going to go? You see, I'm carrying on the conversation. I'm starting to build rapport with the, with the client. And when you sell this property, what are you going to do with all that cash? Are you going to reinvest it into something else? Or are you going to use it to fund that travel lifestyle? Or what's that look like? How you ask the question, again, is going to give you the end result. Now, when I'm enthusiastic, they get enthusiastic. It's called pacing. Okay, So when I'm enthusiastic, if I come off enthusiastic and I'm excited and this is great and you're learning, especially when I put them in a position to where they're, they think like they're running the show and they're the one in the position that's they're in the position of authority. They're the teacher, so to speak. They're going to answer this question without even thinking about it. Okay. You might want to ask yourself, why is that? Why do I need to know this information? Why does this even matter? It doesn't matter to me. I don't care what they're going to do with the money. They can go buy drugs with it or go to Hawaii. It doesn't really matter. Well, I can tell you, this is probably bar none, the most important question you can ask when it comes to seller financing. Here's why. What if the seller only needs 10 grand now? Maybe the seller is selling their duplex or their hundred unit apartment building simply because they need 10 grand and you think that's not possible. That never happens. I beg to differ happens on a regular basis. So if they only need 10 grand now, why would you give them the full hundred grand using the hundred thousand dollar example? I love to use if they don't need the hundred grand, maybe you could delay the other 90,000. It's a lot easier boys and girls to raise 10 grand than it is to raise a hundred grand. Okay. So maybe by asking this question, you can make them a better deal than you would have to make them if they needed a suitcase full of cash at the closing table. Is that reasonable? Of course it's reasonable. Let's say, for example, they had a great idea. They were planning on investing in the whole thing in the stock market because their broker told them if they get it out in the stock, hurry, 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 they're going to make a gajillion dollars. Well, that means a person speculating and not to get into somebody else's financial business, but you'd be doing them a great service if you kept them away from that scenario because the chances of them losing are pretty good. Maybe they just got an email from some Nigerian prince who has their inheritance locked up. And if they could just come up with a hundred grand, then they could unleash their inheritance and the seller would be a multimillionaire and their little old lady. Maybe if you didn't give them the hundred thousand dollars, they wouldn't give it to the Nigerian prince and therefore wouldn't get ripped off. Maybe it's an inheritance situation where a, a, a family member, a son, a daughter, a cousin, a sister, an aunt, a grandchild, whatever is due to get an inheritance. Maybe the, the, the seller is being pressured by their family. Don't kid yourself to think this doesn't happen every day. Maybe they're getting pressured to cash out of the property quicker. And maybe you could make them a deal that would allow them the payments over time. Okay. What if the yield could outpace any retirement plan that they could do on their own. Let's say they go do an IRA and they get an IRA or a 401k program. And of course, you know how 401ks, you know how they work. The brokers, the stock brokers, they get all excited because they charge in a fee to open the account and they charge a fee to examine the thing. And they charge a fee for this and a fee for that, a fee to buy the stocks. And well, if the stocks lose, they charge a fee to sell the stocks. And if the stocks win, they charge a fee to sell the stocks and they charge a fee for this and that. And then there's the annual reporting fee and there's this fee and there's the asset management fee and all these different fees. And although they show that, gee, Johnny's making a 7% return on the stock portfolio over 12 months, that's great. Johnny's fees were 16.5%. If you have uh, ever do the math, get a, prospe a prospectus for any 401k plan, and I want you to read it. 
especially the fee section. And they're really good about sprinkling that information throughout the the prospectus so that it's difficult for you to find what are where all the fees are. And I assure you, you will be mortified when you realize how much money is being pissed away when you invest in Wall Street, when you have a broker handling your money. Now, for some people, that makes a lot of sense, but for other people, it probably it may not. And in my opinion, this is strictly my opinion, there's no better retirement plan out there than something that's backed by real estate. Because at the end of the day, if I decide to be a knucklehead and stop paying my bills, they get the asset back. And hopefully, I've already improved it. Okay, Let's give an example of that. Okay, $100,000 seller carried mortgage. Over 30 years, that seller in interest is going to make $93,000. Yeah, 93. So they're going to get 193,000 for their $100,000 uh seller finance note. Over 10 years, you could say, "Well, wow, they're not going to live 30 years." Great. Let's say they live 10 years. In 10 years, they're going to make $45,000 in interest, a little over 45 grand in interest over 10 years. So that's a pretty healthy chunk of change, guys, and that's based on 5% interest. If you, if they give you a 5% note, or they carry the financing for at 5% interest with a 30-year amortization. If you pay them off in 10 years, obviously the, the accrued interest over the 10-year period would be $45,000 if you refinanced and paid them off early. Because that's a question sellers have is, well, that's all great and fine and dandy, but what if you pay me off in 12 months, then I don't make that money? Well, you can structure where there's a prepayment penalty. You can structure it as a balloon, although I don't suggest you do balloons. That's what got people in trouble before. Over five years, that seller's still going to make twenty-four grand more. So that hundred thousand, instead of getting a check for a hundred thousand dollars, over if they waited five years and got their money, they get a check for a hundred and twenty-four thousand dollars. And I'd say, Mrs. Seller, I can give you the hundred thousand dollars. That's not a problem. But what I'd like to do is consider giving you a hundred and twenty-four, a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. Now you can say no to the hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, and I'd be more than happy to write you a check for the hundred and twenty-four or for the 100000 But if you consider accepting payments for your equity, if you would consider, I'm going to say it again, if you would consider, we're only closing on concept here, boys and girls, accepting payments for your equity, I could give you $124,000 for your property. Is that something that interests you, or would you be more satisfied with $100,000? How in the hell does anybody not get on board with that? Even if it's only a year, boys and girls, that's a $5,000 accrued interest, okay? $5,000 on uh, interest accrued over 12 months. So what if I give you 105 instead of 100? You can change these numbers to reflect the amount of time it takes. Use them in the negotiation. I like round figures because it's easy to do the math in my head. The other question you got to ask yourself is, could you acquire whatever the seller is planning to buy? Let's say the seller wants an RV, for example. Maybe you could go out and buy the RV for the seller. Let's say they, they want an RV and that RV costs $20,000 and they want a $20,000 cash down payment out of you. So they can go buy their $20,000 RV. And I know you can't get much RV for 20 grand, but let's just humor me for a moment. So you could write them a check for 20 grand. They could go out and negotiate their deal on their RV and off they go. Or maybe you could go out and negotiate a better deal to where you only have to give five, 10 or $15,000 down for the exact same RV. Maybe you could go so far as to finance the RV or you take a loan for the RV and give it to the seller in exchange for a down payment. Six and one half dozen the other. Maybe you can go get a personal loan. Maybe you can get a, a home equity line of credit or a business line of credit or something like that uh, for a mortgage that would be a low interest 
uh, long duration or, or long-term mortgage, a 30-year or 20-year or 15-year, something like that, to where you could get the cash to go buy the RV or whatever, the boat or whatever the seller wants in exchange for the down payment or maybe exchange for the property. Who knows, depending on the type of property. And then you make those payments because you're taking that, that headache off that seller's back. There's lots of different ways you can skin this cat and structure this deal. I want you to think about outside the box when you're doing this, boys and girls. I want you to know that there are all different kinds of ways you can structure these opportunities that will make sense. And they all begin with a seller question. And of course, again, you don't have someone to talk to. You don't have enough leads, enough sellers to talk to. Then maybe you need to go to cashflowguys.com forward slash one funnel away and learn how to market for customers. If you get stuck, you need help. You want to take things to the next level. You just don't know where to begin or where to start or where to stop or any of that, then you go to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. Get on my calendar. Let's get on the phone, have a conversation, see how we can get you pointing in the right direction, help you involve get your investor identity going. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great week and we'll catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.